This is Strange Assembly episode 110, Opening Moves. So does that make us the slowest opening movers ever if it takes us 110 episodes to get there? I think yes. Yes. It's even strange as the, I know it's the first data pack, but it is the second cycle. But uh, I am Chris Stevenson. You just heard Mike Cook. Why? <laughs> well, <laughs> see, you talked, and then it was recorded, and then someone downloaded it through this thing that called the internet. <laughs> okay. But by somebody, he means he himself. Uh, and, and or his mother. Yes, and that was Jay Earl. <laughs> You are probably right now regretting listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast and website. We are going to talk today about Opening Moves, the first data pack of the second cycle for Android Netrunner. Of the rest of your lives. (laughs) Uh, All right. There aren't that many cards in a single data pack, so we're going to go through them. We're just going to go take them in numerical order, and let's see if I can knock out the first one. Frame job. Stinks. Don't play it right now. Next card? Yeah, basically. Yes. All right, the next card is Pawn, the first of the chess programs. Um, Someday maybe you'll want to run this? Yes, needs more chess programs. Since yeah. this, put, this pack puts us at two, and this is the one that needs other chess pieces, you're, you're playing a really weird deck if you're playing it right now. Okay. Number three, the other chess piece, <laughs> Rook. Is is actually playable right now. Yeah, I think it's actually it's not too terrible. That's a ringing endorsement, not <laughs> too terrible. It, it's, I mean, you don't have the chess deck yet. There's not a huge amount of ice messing with, at least as far as I've seen right now, which is the deck that it goes obviously in. Well, I think that it it, it messes with ice to some extent, but you also can just do something like turn one, the core throws ice on R&D. Turn, your turn one, you put Rook on the ice that they put on R&D. And then you run on R&D a little bit, and then they, you know, have to pay through the nose to defend it. And then after they've res three pieces of ice on R&D, you click it over to somewhere else. Sure. I mean, I, I think it's best in Criminal Deck, one of the ones that's trying to make them pay for their ice over and over again anyway. But, uh-huh. I mean, yeah, just opening turn, it is, as you mentioned, quite devastating. Honestly, the, the um, yeah, it's pretty good early, but I, I do think that the click cost is going to be kind of rough. Also, the fact that this is a program that cannot be, well, you well, I guess you wouldn't really use it on Jin, but because you, you can't use it on Jin once it gets hosted. Right. And I mean, it also has the problem of, okay, I play it my first turn on whatever they've got protecting R&D. If they've got another ice in hand, they might just trash it, trash the rook alongside whatever they first played for new piece of ice protecting it. And Well, right, right, but I mean, anytime that you 
you paid two or whatever to get them to trash a piece of ice that otherwise would have been usable. That's still not necessarily True. a bad thing. That is one of the bad things. Well, not bad things, but that is one of the risks you run playing this card is, you know, they can just trash whatever piece of ice you put on there. Obviously, this is going to be something I, I think later in the game is going to be, all right, I'm going to play this on my turn and then immediately run. And now it's up to you. Okay, did you res this? Do you want this going somewhere else? Uh, you know, is it worth it to you to keep that second piece of ice? I think that's where it gets really annoying. So yes, actually some potential in Rook. Next up, card number four, which is arguably competing for best, I think, best card in the data pack, and I think is certainly competing for best card on the runner side, which is Hostage, which for one credit but an extra click... I guess we, yeah, we skipped that on frame job. That's one of the things with this. Well, in this data pack, we'll start to see bad publicity as a thing and events that cost two clicks to play. But hostage, which, yeah, lets you go tutor up a connection and then lets you install it. So basically you get your click back. Right. And some, some of these limited effect things, like what was the Foxfire from a while ago that had a very small target pool. Connection actually has a, a nice target pool to go get out. Katie Jones, Aesop's Pawn Shop, Decoy, Compromise and Pool. I mean, it's got some nice economy cards you can go fetch with that. Economy, card draw. Yeah. Economy and card draw, although you have well, to go out of action for that. And the new uh, Masanori that's also in this pack, obviously. Yeah, so, I mean, but that's that's just so cheap for tutoring. There's a lot of tutoring if you want it on the runner's side of this game. Yep. Maybe too much, but I don't know. So that's one good card for Criminal. Another, I think, pretty good economy card for Criminal is Gorman Drip version 1. Another, okay, like the Rook, the best when you can just play it right away, but the the Corp is going to spend actions to to draw cards, and to gain bits, mostly to gain bits. And that, you know, is is eventually for that one initial credit that you put into the Gorman Drip, you're going to be able to cash it back out for for a lot more, or force the Corp to blow a bunch of clicks preventing you from doing that. Yeah, my, my only concern about this is that Corps very rarely use a click to draw a card, so you're really talking about using a click to gain a bit. Uh-huh. And as the game goes on, that's very, that's very much less frequent. It's usually through some kind of card ability that you're getting bits, which reduces somewhat the reliability of Gorman Drip. Well, on the other hand, a lot, a lot of the ways that the Corp has to reliably get bits other than that action are going to be assets. So it encourages the criminal to attack the assets. It can also be that if you're now, I mean, now you're starting to get into a win more, and so that's always questionable. But if you're playing criminal and trying to deny the corp credits, which I hear you do mm. with that deck, then th there's a reasonable amount of the credit generation that requires credits in the first place. You know, you can't play hedge fund. You can't flip up your... Naked men, 
unless you've already got some money in the first place. And if you get drained down, then you're going to have to just take that generic click-to-take-bits action sometimes. But but just, I mean, again, it's best early game, because they do it a little yeah. bit. They don't have to do it much. If they do it four times, now you can cash it in for, cash the Gorman Drip in for four credits. That's a profit of three. That's not That's not an exciting use of the card, but... I mean, that seems like your worst case if you get the thing out early. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it, it's not bad. I just don't think it's, like, super excellent. I think it'd be, like, a one or two of at most. Yeah. So those are the two things that criminals get. Shaper, um, I've heard suggested, is suffering a hangover from having gotten <laughs> so much in creation and control. The Shaper got lockpick and false echo and motivation, and I'm... Not enthused about any of those. I I kind of like False Echo, but not for Shaper. Again, it's back to that criminal deck that's making them pay for their ice over and over again. So you're going to see a lot of unrezzed ice that they can't afford. So False Echo makes them pay clicks and probably more creds for. Not that it's really worth the two influence cost in that deck, maybe. Isn't Forced Activation just better? Yes, but they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. To add it to HQ is the tough part, but I guess that's really... I don't know. This card is really kind of weird. It's that, you know, you must res the ice or add it to HQ. Well, if you didn't res it the first time, the main reason I'd want to get rid of it, rather than just have you play it next turn, because it's going to cost you maybe, what, four or five at the most, and that's if you've got, like, a super server is the idea that you might have raised it when I was going through the second time or third time onto that server. Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure what the purpose of the Fels Echo is, honestly. Yeah, and then, yeah, lockpick is too narrow. There's not enough going, ar- going around for that. I'd rather pay the extra bit for the decoder that gives me one for all of my breakers than just for the breaker I'm not paying money for anyway. <laughs> I have a feeling that this is going to get more useful as this pack goes along. I think stealth is going to be something that comes back. It, it, I mean, it already has started to, obviously. Yeah, and then yeah, motivation is just not good enough. Let's see, you mentioned uh, John Masanori earlier, Mike. What's your thoughts on him? It's more of kind of a gambling card, but I don't know. Drawing an extra card is good, but it's not always... It's not always super great in this game, but anytime you can combine actions is usually very, very good. He also is a way for you to be able to take a tag that you can get rid of later. Yeah, he did immediately make me think of uh, Data Leak Reversal and how I thought that that card really didn't have enough support yet and I was all wrong and stuff. But there's another way to... To take a tag. I, I still think he's more of a niche case than a, like, sees every deck like a Katie Jones. I do as well. I, I, I'm kind of hesitant because it's, he falls in that same sort of category as Data Leak Reversal where I look at him and he doesn't seem like that exciting to me, but you know, somebody out there is gonna come up with the, uh, well, I mean, combo. It, well, if you're using like a criminal deck, um, where you're bypassing a lot of ice or just making it not be able to get rezzed anyways, he seems like all of a sudden a lot of freed card draws seems pretty good. If your deck is going to consistently run, you know, it's going to run most turns and, and make it in successfully, 
then it, you know he's going to help. You just right. You usually don't want to run at the end of the turn anyway, so you still have the opportunity to just shake the tag if you want to. I mean, even if you're not playing with something like New Angeles to stop you from getting it in the first place, but I, I don't know. So I will be unimpressed, but acknowledge that my lack of being impressed is very likely to be wrong. Uh, <laughs> let's see. That's it for the runners. On the corp side, there is Project Ares, which is a four for two agenda. Never a set of numbers I want to see. No. If you overload it before you score it, you can trash. Uh, no, I'm sorry. No, let me try that again. The the runner gets to choose which of their assault cards get trashed. Right. And you take a bad publicity. I just I think this is going to be best against a deck that's running very lean, um, like the Atman decks or something like that. In, in which case, there's still something typically that they can trash. I just think you'd have to overload this card so much for it to be worth it. Or, you know, you'd have to get it down so early and have it be so vulnerable. I, I just I don't see where it, where the play happens there. Yeah. Well, I mean, on the other hand, once you have an agenda hanging out there with a couple of counters on it for a while, the runner just assumes trap. So this this card's existence does add to HB some interesting bluffing potential as far as traps versus this. Because you right, have to admit, if you get this off with enough advancement counters, that should win you the game by completely trashing their rig. Out of HP, there's there's only so many traps, and like I get what you're saying, but at the same point, you know, you never put four advancement counters on a trap, or you know, it's going to be five or six. If you get to six and you're not popping something, they're probably pretty sure something's up. Even if you say you do it with like eight, so you're double what you need to score it. You're going to get to pop four things, but you're also going to be doing it much later in the game. Much later in the game, the runner typically is just going to have resources that he can pop, you know. Sure. That he's not going to care about as much. He's just going to use something to get the Crypsis or the Atman back out of his his heap and just go at it again. The one thing I, I would note out of in the, the comments in there is that, Mike, you said that if the runner is going light and lean, I, I had to say, there does seem to be a lot of that going around. Doesn't there decks that are just super reliant on Atman or super reliant on Crypsis? I think really, I don't want to quite say problem, but I think that's symptomatic of self-modifying code and uh, clone chip, honestly. Those two cards, the, the, my, I don't want to say problem, but one of my concerns with those cards is that you can do the mid-run. Which is pretty strong. It's pretty strong. Even better than the workbench. When workbench first came out, that was one of my favorite moves, was drop the workbench, put all three types of icebreakers on, and only pay for what I need when I need it. Self-modifying code lets you do it without having to bother digging out and wasting a few clicks on it. Yep. Yeah. And there's a lot of tutoring, and to some extent... Uh, and right, this is always going to happen in the you know your customizable games where you want to try to prevent your opponent from being able to mess with you. To some extent, it feels like the runner's game right now is fairly heavily based on just avoiding having to deal with the corpse stuff or just that one piece of ice that just 
auto stops whatever it is that the corp has to possibly throw out that just avoiding the sort of back and forth of probing and seeing what's there it's so i'm going to get my one ice out that will stop everything that you have except for a very small handful of things and i'll just use escher say to throw those off onto a server i'm never going to run so yeah so up next is next Yes, which which again is appears to be one of these. Oh, this is going to be a thing, right? There's going to be next bronze, and then presumably next silver and next gold. But I don't know. Is there a reason to run this now? Other than that, it is a super sure. cheap code gate. No, as given that code gates are the easiest thing to break. Yeah, right. not really. Right. I mean, this is the classic Yog problem. If Yog weren't, this would be great because it's a cheap and the run. Who cares that it's zero strength? Yogg says, nope, don't play. Well, I think that's actually, to some extent, Yogg is, and this is weird, is an argument in favor of next bronze. It's like, well, if you're going to be running a cheap oh, code I mean, gate... I mean, right now, not going down the line. As soon as we get one or two more playable next ice, next bronze is amazing simply because of Yogg, you're right. You asked the question, do we play next now? No, no, I, I even mean now. I'm not saying you necessarily should, but just to, to say something in, in next bronze defense, if Yogg is going to chew through your cheap code gates... You want them as cheap as possible. Yeah. True. Why pay for extra routines? Why pay for extra strength that doesn't matter? If you have Yogg, yeah, it eats through this, but it eats through plenty of other stuff too. If you don't have Yogg, hey, look, it's a stopper. Or you have to pay something to break it. Let's see, card number 12, Celebrity Gift, a.k.a. Hey, look, it's an economy card for Jinteki. Something must have gone wrong. Well, it's also a fun bluffing card. Eh. I, I just, because of the cost of it, I just don't see this really getting played. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't look at this as an economy card because... Since it costs three, you can show your entire hand to gain seven. But I would much rather show three cards, gain three bits, and mess with my opponent's head. Well, and remember, I mean, that's that's three bits for two actions. I think you guys I, are seriously underestimating this card. I really do not like the whole show my opponent my entire hand thing. But for one extra click it next to you seven, that's not shabby. I mean, we would all agree that hedge fund is ludicrous, right? Mm. Well, so that, yeah, but, but, but think about this. You, you have to reveal up to five cards in each queue. Uh-huh. Uh, that means that you're going to have to have six to actually get full value on this card. Yes, but... You're, you're either going to have to hold it all up, or you're going to have to take an ex- your one other click for the turn to draw a card. I almost always start my turn with five cards in hand. It is kind of amusing out of that new HB box that uh, has hand size equal to bits. Okay. No one is ever, ever, ever going to run this card outside of Jitek. I, I did not say good. I said amusing. <laughs> well, and it's capped at five, so, you know. Yes. I do not think as a bluffing card it's it's even vaguely worth taking up a slot in your deck. And I... I do think the thing is that, yeah, it's a nice economy boost, but it is to really get economy out of it. Yeah, you have to be showing your entire hand, 
and that can be awful, painful. I don't know. I guess the main thing is now they know whether or not, like, they know whether or not you have a snare. They know what assets you have in your hand. Not that you can't draw them, but if you combine that with them getting to look at your, if you're looking at the top of your deck reasonably frequently, it could really severely hamper your ability to bluff them. Sure, but I mean, on the other hand, you can be like, okay, here's four pieces of ice. I'm holding on to this fifth card just to, you know, mess with their head. But they still know that then if they run in your hand, unless they have something to boost it up, they've got a one in five chance of getting anything they care about. Yeah, sure. that that's most, but yeah, doing that, what you're basically telling them, uh, even with, with only showing four of them is, don't waste your clicks running on my hand for a while. Yeah. Let's see, Jinteki gets another card that I like, Himitsu Bako. It's a cheap ice, two strength for two, and it's a barrier, not a code gate. Which means it's playable. It ends the run. You know, Jinteki could use efficient ice. Yes. Gods, yes. Uh, yeah, but this ends up costing quite a bit. You don't use its ability. It's a two-cost barrier for two. I think you may actually use its ability on occasion, but if you're if you're getting into the Jinteki's kind of bad ice shifting thing, but it's a it's a two barrier for two. The the best use for it for the ability is you put it in front of your remote server that you need to protect, and then as soon as you finish with whatever you needed to protect it with, you pull it back and you can put it somewhere it's actually going to be useful. Well, okay, so somehow. I got completely confused and thought that this was, and thought that was something that the runner could do. Oh, no, no, that would make it awful. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's why I was confused. Uh, Being the corp and being able to use it, especially with something like Midori, you could really have this thing be a pain in the neck with something like Midori. I don't know, I guess it's not really big enough to be that big of a pain in the neck, but it it still does seem like, okay, did I uh, did I start the game and cover up my hand, and now I have no agendas, and I'm running against Noise, and he's made me mill a couple cards already? Oh, uh, let's let's get this over here. Although, I guess you can't even do that until he makes you flip it. Because you can't take it back up in your hand until it's rezzed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, you could delete that off entirely, and Jinteki is still happy to see it's an efficient barrier. I'm happy. Yes. No, yeah, yeah. totally. Jinteki desperately needed good infaction ice. Well, look, and Jinteki needed infaction ice. Jinteki needed infaction economy, and it did it get got one both of those here. Well, well, Jinteki did win worlds. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, it did. The winning deck when he was playing Shaper, Atman deck, Atman and Jinteki, and the guy in second was playing. Fast advance. Fast HP fast advance and noise. <laughs> yep. So let's see, card fourteen is uh character assassination, another another four for two agenda that again trashes cards. You don't have to over trash it, but you only get one resource. I think with this fast is NBN potentially can uh bomb out a card. I think this could be a pretty nasty start to uh, uh, an economy denied by, uh, on the part of a uh, corporation, uh, on the side of the court player. Because um, you've got this and closed accounts. 
like you're that's a pretty good way to pretty solidly attack um, a runner's economy because yeah. it's almost all entirely based off of resources right now. Yeah, and l- luckily, luckily, Plascrete Carapace not a resource. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I almost feel like you have to play Plascrete Carapace at this point. I mean, half the field is going to be trying to shoot you in the face. Yeah. All right. Okay. The ne- next up for the Corp and NBN, and, and NBN, but also the Corp generally, because he's only one influence, is a guy who uh, I think has a very strong argument for best card in the set, Jackson Howard. Assets free to res, three to trash. Not that he will ever get trashed once you've installed him, because you can remove him from the game to shuffle three cards from archives into your deck. Also, you can click him to draw two cards. Not that you'll do that. That's you eh, might do that. Okay, it gives you some sort of option, but it's yeah. you can throw him out there. If you're lucky, they they fling it back in. But if you if you're getting milled by noise, you can stuff agendas back into your deck. You can just put good operations back in your deck. You can put those scorched earths back into your deck if they end up in your discard pile or or whatever. And if it costs anything. That might be of questionable value, but it costs nothing. Yep. It might even cost you less than nothing if you throw it out there and it makes the uh, your the runner waste clicks to go after it. To go after it. Oh yeah, and especially like an NBN deck, you, you throw something out there, and you know, basically the first thing I would always assume is that it's going to be a um, three point uh, three cost agenda. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> no uh, I, the first thing I'm going to think, like, oh no, if you throw it out with no protection, the first thing I'm thinking is that it's probably a pad campaign. Mm. So even early in the game, you know, even if you pop him once and then anytime he comes after him, well, I'll just pop him before you get there. So yeah, I think he's, he's pretty good. Then you've got Invasion of Privacy, an operation, another one of these doubles where you have to spend an extra clicks. So for two creds and two clicks, you get to do a trace and then do a bunch of, sort of do a bunch of damage to the runner by discarding uh, resources and events out of their hand up to the amount that you won the trace attempt by. This card could be gangbusters at a certain point. No, yeah, I definitely think this is a good card. I mean, if you if you hit a criminal with this, you could be taking out half their hand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in most decks, you're probably going to get at least a card or two out of the hand. Right. Uh, the only thing I, I, I would think is everything runs resources. Not not everything runs a whole bunch of events, but there's certainly still enough to... Um, anything you're going to get, you probably want to get. If you think about a runner deck, you can only put so many programs in there, and there's... Unless it's a hardware-heavy deck, what's, you know, what you're looking at left is largely... Events and and resources, right? Yeah. Well, and I mean, if nothing else, as long as you're successful by one, you also get to see his entire hand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's, that, that's yeah, not insignificant. Yeah, it's not random. It's not their choice for what gets discarded. You get to pick. Not not shabby at all. They could set up damage cards as well. Oh, and it does have a drawback. But what's wrong with you if you actually? take the bad publicity from failing your trace. Yeah. 
Uh, I would say the only way you should be failing that trace is if you have just bankrupted the runner. In which case, uh, I'll take a bad publicity to bankrupt them. Next up, there is another 4 for 2 geothermal fracking. So what? It's like invasion of privacy followed by geothermal fracking. Are we just trying to be very current eventsy here? I was about to say, you, you can tell that it's the evil corporation because they got fracking in the title of one of their cards. Yes, God forbid, cheap natural gas. How dare they? Yeah, so four for two, and then you you do not have to over-advance this one, yay, in order to get free cash out of it. You get two agenda counters, and then later for a click, you can ditch one of those agenda counters to get seven bits immediately, but you take a bad publicity. I don't really like four for twos, but that's a very strong ability. Uh, I think this is really good. I, I just think all around, it is a very strong card. It's a very strong agenda. They have to run quite a few times before those bad publicity add up to the amount that, of money that you just got off of the the fracking. And you can use that to generate, pay for a big ice. You can use it to, I don't know, make sure that you've got enough credits to pay for your Scorched Earths. Whatever. Right. Score the next agenda. Yeah, Scorched Earth. You score that, and then dump seven off of it, and then scorched earth them. Who cares if you've got the bad publicity? Yeah, and I and I I don't want to get into it too much, but because uh, it is futury, and I, you know it's kind of but there we we've seen at least I'm blanking on the details, but we've seen at least one bad publicity remover previewed for a future data pack for Wayland. Yeah. So, which they may need. Because apparently they're big on bad publicity. The other Wayland card, card number 18, is Swarm. It's an 8-cost, 5-strength sentry that does nothing until you advance it. And each advancement counter makes the runner pay 3 or have a program trashed. So, once again, what I think makes this playable is that it can be advanced while unresed. I don't understand that series of cards where they had that, where it had to be resed first. At right, those, those are just not... No, yeah. Still, still, 8 for 5 is a little bit... Eh, but then again, you're going to be paying a lot for this card no matter which way you look at it. Right. Well, I mean, trashing programs is just such a strong ability. Even if it doesn't end the run, that can win you games. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth it, and I think it's pretty good. You know, it's not going to go in every deck, obviously. It, well, God, at four influence, it's definitely not. But I <laughs> think this is quite good overall. Very expensive. It is. But it's also a century with five strength. If only anyone was playing with ninja anymore, they could ninja it. Let's see. Second to the last is Cyberdex Trial. Obviously a meta effect. So its value is going to fluctuate, but a free operation that purges all virus counters, that's uh, not bad. I think this card's a very strong meta. Maybe, maybe that's just me, but I, I think it's really good. Well, yes, it's, it's strong meta in that against one deck, it says gain two action. Well, but that's not just one deck, is it? I mean, you're seeing viruses everywhere now. Crypsis. I mean, even even um, shapers are running a lot of out-of-faction uh, viruses with stuff like the Atman deck. 
Yeah, well, or data sucker for one. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, uh, obviously meta, but yeah, there's, there's a solid amount of viruses out there. So I, I could see Cyberdex Trial being quite playable. Against any of the current anarchs, it's basically just, hey, uh, good luck with that. Or, well, you know, it's much more efficient. And then last, but definitely not least, because frame job is least. Yes. <laughs> is, is Grim, which is, to some extent, pretty similar to Swarm, actually. It's another five strength century that you take a bad publicity when you res it and it trashes programs. This one only costs five instead of eight, and of course it's just trash a program period, so on the upside they can't pay to get out of that on the downside. I don't know, on the downside, I don't know what. It can only trash one at a time that... I feel like Wayland is going to play the Swarm. Everyone else who wants that effect will play the Grim rather than pay that really steep faction cost. Oh, no no non-Wayland deck will ever run Swarm, unless the guy is crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think you mitigate a lot of the swarms cost by using the different Wayland identity. Yeah, no, if you're using the the newer Wayland identity and not playing swarm, you're doing something wrong. But I think even the original flavor of Wayland identity can play the swarm. Well, yeah, but either way, this is going to be. I, I don't know where exactly to place this card. Seems pretty good, but at the same point, I'm playing. I'm paying. Five for an ice that's giving me a bad publicity and will only ever trash a program. Right. It's a sentry for five strength, which is a decent strength, but not enough that normally runners won't have some kind of emergency reaction to be able to to probably break it. I don't know. Only ever trash a program, though, is a pretty good thing to only ever do. No, yeah, yeah that- I mean, there, there's a reason still at this point I've got a roto turret in my deck trash a program can still be huge if it hits at the right time. True, but but if you've got... I don't know, I, I guess it does hit a pretty nice point of if it has... Uh, and I've won games literally just off of I trashed their only breakers with a well-placed whatever. And five is a pretty nice spot. If five is the only... or If five or six are, are the only amount of credits that you have, most of the nasty ice starts about seven or eight, so they may not be entirely prepared for it. Yeah. Right, I mean, you say that the runner should be prepared for a five-strength sentry. This is one of the reasons that the runner should be prepared for a five-strength sentry. If they're not, this is a, a game-ender, potentially. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, if you hit them early enough, it's going to slow them down, and hopefully that would give you time. But at the same point, you also paid five for an ice that's not going to stop them, so you'd really want this to be a second piece of ice. Yes. Uh, so then that gets that gets to be problematic for, like, early game, because if it's the only piece of ice, well, I don't have any programs out, I'm just going to keep running whatever this was protecting until I get to the point where I actually have, uh, you know, something I want to put install. Uh, yeah, mid-cost ice can kind of be in a, a weird spot like that, because there's a, a very strong need for a certain amount of ice that you can drop out right away. And then once you've got that initial round of stopper ice up, you kind of want your ice to hit as hard as possible, so that makes you start looking at the big, fatty, nasty things. 
and and you can kind of just kind of skip over the yeah stuff like the five and six costers. I mean, I I think they do feel fill a nice niche, but it's something that you don't. I don't think you dedicate too many slots in your deck to. Like maybe somewhere between three and six, you really don't want that many of them. But the right one at the right time could potentially be very devastating. Okay. That has been the opening moves data pack for Android Netrunner. We're very glad that you uh, hung out to listen to us. You can find more episodes of Strange Assembly on iTunes, where you can also leave us a review, or you can visit strangeassembly.com, where there are direct links to all the, the various episodes if you prefer to stay away from Apple products for some reason and you don't have another podcatcher. You can visit us on Facebook.com or on Twitter, where we're Strange Assembly either place. We always like to hear from you, so if you go on our website, you can comment on the post that talks about this podcast episode, or you can email me at chris at strangeassembly.com. Until then, for Mike Cook and Jay Earl, I'm Chris Stevenson, and never stop gaming. Or running. Hack the planet! Squeak. That line got changed in the code.